Welcome to the Birds Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Zach Berman. And Zach, it's been a while since we've uh, had the podcast. Uh, sorry, our apologies. Uh, missed you in Phoenix. Uh, we spoke to Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, and Jeffrey Lurie at the owners' meetings. But um, when they came back, they made a move. Um, signing tight end Richard. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Trading for uh, running back. Jordan Howard, obviously that was one of the big missing pieces so far this offseason. What do you think of the move? Clear upgrade at a position of need. I don't think Jordan Howard is an elite running back. If if you think you got your running back for the next five years, I don't believe that to be the case right now. But I do believe they addressed a position that he's he's better than anyone they had on the roster. He's a very productive running back. You can't argue with the production. He fits in their first and second down role. It's a very manageable price, as you reported, sixth round pick that becomes a fifth round that could become a fifth rounder, and only you know two million plus in terms of salary. So, always I look at it. I like the move. Um, I just would caution fans: you're not getting the number two rusher like he was three seasons ago. I think you're just getting a really productive first and second down rusher. I compared the trading for Jay Ajayi uh, at less of a price. Yeah, um, on paper, a pretty clear move for them to make, um, and it, it had been rumored that he was a pot, you know, that he was on the market. The Bears basically made it clear when they went out and signed another running back. When they have uh, Tariq Cohen, that Howard was no longer going to be a piece um, on the team. They they clearly were going to release him when they took so much. I think when you take a 2020 pick. That's basically you're taking for some something. You're trying to get something for somebody that's not going to be on your roster. And Howard going into his fourth year was not going to be on the roster. Um, so the Eagles, the Eagles, in in giving up something, save themselves. You know, they're not first. He would have been on the waiver waiver wire, right? No, he would have been available. He would have been available, even though he's not a vested veteran. Yeah, that's during the season. The waiver oh, okay. wire, but but still. You know, you don't know what the market value, you don't know what the market price would have been. You'd have to compete, and you don't know when they would have cut him. Um, that's the thing. There, there was no urgency on their end no. to make a move. So, no. so that makes right sense. now, you have some certainty going into the draft, right? I, I, but I don't look at it in a vacuum by like, okay, this is they needed to get a running back, and um, certainly we weren't buying Howie Roseman when he said that. Oh, we like Wendell Smallwood and um, Corey Clement and Josh Adams, but. They could have signed a better running back, I think, in free agency, whether it be Tevin Coleman, whether it be Mark Ingram. Uh, Ingram cost a fair amount. Uh, Coleman did not. Coleman signed for two years for $8.5 million. He's only going to make $3.6 million this year. Uh, Howard's going to make two point one. Yes, that's more money, but I think Coleman's a better fit for them. Um, now, if you look at Howard and say, okay, first and second down, that's all you need him for. They have Corey Clement to kind of be that third down guy. And player to be named later. And a player to be named later. We haven't even mentioned that. So, again, I have to kind of hold back, withhold a final grade on this because I want to see what they do in the draft. And I still feel, feel like they have the opportunity to get a pretty good running back. It makes it more imperative that they don't miss this time. they got to get, a, get a, a running back and they get one that's productive. They can't get a Danell Pumphrey that isn't going to play his rookie year. Yeah. And the, the record there is not good um, since Howie Roseman became GM. And um, and I just I just my only thing was I felt like this is the offseason to get someone dynamic at that position, and I think Coleman fits that a little more than Howard. And okay, I get it, you know, behind this 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 line, maybe he can be more productive than he was his last two years in Chicago. 
but he, he's not much of a guy out of the backfield in terms of cat, pass catching. Fair enough. Um, he's not fast at all. Um, he's, his yards after contact aren't, aren't really that great. Um, so I don't particularly love him. Um, but on paper, what they gave up and the fact that they filled a need, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 24 years old. and He's young, that's good, and he's durable. That's another good yeah, thing. Very, and he's good in short yardage. He's, he's proven that. Um, over, you know, he's averaged over a thousand yards. Uh, he, the thing that, that would cause me pause is that Nagy, the head coach of the bears who can, who comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree, similar type of offense to what Doug runs decided that he didn't want Jordan Howard. I mean, they signed Mike Davis, they went with Cohen. Um, so they have more dynamic running backs, but he really didn't find a place for Howard in that offense. Um, so you wonder what was missing in Chicago. That being said, I still like the move. I think the Eagles can find good use for him. I think he's going to be productive here. Uh, I hear you out on Coleman. I was the one singing Coleman. I, I I liked him ever since he was at Indiana. Interestingly enough, Jordan Howard replaced Coleman when Coleman went to the NFL. Coleman doesn't have as much wear and tear on him. I think he could help you more in the passing game. But if you're looking at a first and second down back, uh, which they really had with LeGarrette Blunt and with Jay Ajayi, and they don't have right now. When Ajayi went down last year, I thought that was a big problem in this offense. Howard gives them that in spades, so I, I like the move from that perspective. Two things. Um, it wasn't just the fact that he could, Nagy couldn't find a way to get him involved in the scheme. It's that Nagy wants, if you hear him describe his running backs, he wants multifaceted guys. Yeah. Um, he wants guys that... Um, he wants to share the load, like what Doug has done here. He wants, uh, you know, by committee running back uh, backfield. Uh, wants a run, you know, a backfield. And the other thing is, from what I've read in Chicago, I don't know this for a fact, but other writers were saying that he was a type of guy, uh, Howard, that is, that needed a good number of carries to get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of these rhythm running backs. Now they all say that they all want as many carries as they can get, but and he's not going to get that here in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's, it's, so I wonder how productive he's going to be getting only 15 carries a game. It's a good point. You said that, and and I, sh- I should say, Matt Nagy did use him. Um, I, I mean, he had 250 carries. It was just that it was he, he clearly wasn't in their plans going forward. They signed another running back. And that's – I'm glad you, you brought up the usage because he was a 250-carry guy these past three years. The Eagles haven't had anyone under Doug Peterson over 173 carries, I believe. That's what Blunt had in 2017. Um, they've only had seven times in Doug Peterson's time here where a running back had 17 or more carries. Uh, so, yeah, this isn't going to be a 20 to 25-carry guy. Matter of fact, Jay Jai, after they traded him, only had one game with 17-plus carries. Uh, so I, I think you'll see Howard more in that 12 to 15 range. And if he's okay with that, I think you'll have a good role there. If he's okay with that. <coughs> yes. He wasn't happy with it in, in Chicago. So we'll see. Um but we talked to him today. So. Look, the, yeah, we talked to him today. We'll find out about that. We'll find out, you know, what. How can he explain the dip in, produc- dip in production over three years? Five point one yards per carry to four point two. No, it's five point two to four point one to three point seven. Now, um, there's a narrative out there, and, and there's maybe a little bit of truth to that that he's being used more in short yard situations, and that maybe affected his his yards per carry average. But that's still a pretty significant decline. Um, I mean, I know the Eagles like Josh Adams a little bit. I think obviously what happened late last year is something to be concerned about, but he had a shoulder injury. Uh, I think that affected him. 
Uh, Wendell Smallwood, not a guy that you want to be your lead back. I'm okay with him being your third or fourth guy. Uh, Corey Clement, I, I know people in Philadelphia love him because what he had done mm-hmm. in that Super Bowl year and in the Super Bowl, I think he's a really good player. Um, but he's just a piece. He's not. A, he's not a main piece. Again, I just. I just feel like I want to see what happens in the draft before I yeah. give give the running back grade. Uh, give the running back uh, group a grade. No, I. I don't know this, but my guess is Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas and that staff. They looked at the draft, um, and this isn't the 2017 draft. There are some intriguing running backs, but there's probably only one guy, Josh Jacobs, who you say, all right, that that guy can start for you day one. There's some other. I mean, if you like David Montgomery. If you like, uh, I mean, you go on down the list, Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, Damian Harris. They're intriguing players there, but not someone you say, we're comfortable starting this guy the way you might have thought of Christian McCaffrey or Leonard Fournette or, or Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon. Um, so it, it's a different type of running back class, and I think the Eagles need to take that into consideration, and they need to make a move so you don't have that that – Big need going into April, and if and if I may take a step back and look at the big picture, the Eagles won a Super Bowl with you know three guys that they acquired after the draft. As they're happy to tell you, we and but you look around <laughs> yeah. the league, what teams have won? I mean, have the best running backs in the league won Super Bowls over the last ten years? Uh, maybe one or two examples. No, but somebody. you know what though, like but it's not it's not a position that you, it's like it's not a it's not a super important position. Uh, in terms of winning championships, but the Patriots invested a first-round pick last year in 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 Sony Michelle, and, and he, had, and a good, he, he had, had a big big role in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Um, so it's I think it's it's more resource allocation. How much money are you, are you spending well, they, on that position? Well, they had the fifth least amount invested in running back for the next uh, for this year and next year actually. So they had salary cap. If looking yep. at distribution amount, they had a lot uh, to go in terms of, of running back position. Now they get, they give one guy. Two point one million over the next next year. Um, look, that's just in Howie's thing. I mean, he has never really spent a lot on running backs. Uh, the only trade that he's made prior to the Howard one was Darren Sproles in two thousand and fourteen. Hadn't signed an unrestricted free agent yet as GM. So at least in between free agency and the draft. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the draft. That's so so your guess. They have a first round pick and two second round picks. They have no third round pick. By the end of night two, so by the end of the first three rounds, have they added a running back in the draft? That's a good question. I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think what you you know you know how how he moves around. Actually, yeah. every GM moves around, but like maybe you package a four to move up the the four and a six to move up the three in the third round. Get someone there. I don't know. Um, so maybe it happens. Mm-hmm. I just wonder with so many good defensive linemen in this draft. Now I don't know if it's like quite the historic draft that, that Howie had called it in terms of defensive line, but it's good. And if they don't come around, come out of there with at least one defensive lineman, I'll be surprised. I still feel like there's an opportunity to get an offensive lineman mm-hmm. in one of those first two rounds. Um, I like a receiver because they do have to get younger, and, and a receiver is yeah. a, good, a good. Yeah, you look at the, the position, the positions they have filled filled now. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think that that running back's going to come in the fourth round. round. Fourth round, okay. That's um, not, that's, I'm looking. I'm thinking more fourth than second. Before this trade, I was thinking second, um, but I think now I think that you'll find more value at that position in in the fourth round, unless there's a guy, unless you love David Montgomery or you love Miles Sanders, and you need to pull the and you need to pull the trigger there. I think you have more of a shot. I think these guys are more third round picks, fourth round picks than. A sh- you know, the, I mean, Josh Jacobs is is a, is a first round pick, 
and there's a few guys second-round pick. But I think the strength of this running back class you'll find more in the fourth round. If they wait until the fifth or sixth round, that guy might not even be on the roster. Um, so I would look at fourth round. Should, uh, switching gears here, obviously you know, mentioned uh, the owners' meetings and, and Howie's first time he spoke to us about free agency moves. And we got a chance to ask him about, number one, I think one of the main topics that, that people came away from uh, came away from free agency is the age of the, of the guys that they mm-hmm. brought in in terms of trades, and, and, and I consider Deshaun Jackson yeah. part of free agency almost. Their additions, yeah. Yeah, the, the additions they made during that period. Um, you asked Tyler the question. Mm-hmm. I thought actually he had a pretty good answer. I thought he had a good answer. I still kind of disagree with the strategy itself. Um, he said his answer was that teams are locking up their younger players True. So you're not really finding top young players on the market, those 25, 26, 27-year-olds, number one. And then number two, he said players are playing longer, sports science, medicine. You're having more productive players into their 30s. It was a really good answer. Uh, I just think that when you look at Rodney McLeod, Brandon Brooks, Nigel Bradham, Malcolm Jenkins, um, none of these guys were like elite free agents. Brandon Brooks was probably the top guard available that year if they paid him that. But beyond that, uh, Malcolm Jenkins was you know, the fifth or sixth highest paid safety from that class. They just did a really good job finding an up-and-coming player there. Nigel Bradham was undervalued. They found a real good job finding that player there. I think there's upside there. If Now, you can say that guy's not on the market, but perhaps Tevin Coleman um, would have been that type of player. Perhaps Tyrell Williams would have been that type of player. Uh, so... I can't knock them because it, it's it's a good answer. It hasn't happened yet, and they have found success with those role type player types. Whether it was Chris Long, whether it was Patrick Robinson. That being said, they missed on Haloti Nada. Mike Wallace was hurt last year, so it's worked the other way too. I I just think you're gambling more, um, and I I think a lot of it is based on their desire for compensatory picks, and I get that, and I agree with where they're going to be in, in roster building that you need more picks when you pay Carson. Um, but I just wouldn't dismiss the value of finding an in-the-prime player because when you look at the Super Bowl roster, they won with guys they signed in free agency in their prime. Yeah, they don't have um, a lot of long contracts that they gave out. So it's not like you're, you're dipping deep into your pockets to sign these older guys. I think three years is the mm-hmm. longest deal that they gave out. Malik Jackson probably be the biggest contract that they gave out. And he's a really good player. And for a defensive opinion. lineman, that's that's a pretty yeah. good deal. Three years, thirty million. Um, one who's been at a Pro Bowl before. But so I see kind of both ways. I do agree with you that um, you know if you don't like some of the younger guys, um, if they're not names, you know it's kind of your job to find the guys yeah. who maybe could be names in the second half of their of their careers. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it pans out. D-line overall, how do you – let's look at some of the positions. D-line overall, how do you think they did? Um, I'm, I'm, you know, they gave up – they traded Michael Bennett, and Chris Long is probably not going to come back. And they brought in uh, Jackson and, and Vinny Curry. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they upgraded the position. Well, now, I, I don't the think they're finished still, yet. Exactly. The it's going to probably bring somebody. Yeah. So I, I thought the interior defensive line was a major weakness last year, and I think that's going to be much better this year. Because I expect, I think their first round pick is going to be a D tackle, and I think Malik Jackson really helps them. I don't think it was a major weakness because you had Bennett. Yeah, Bennett. It was yeah. maybe against the run a little bit. Fair enough. 
Um, I mean, the D line was good yeah. last year. Yeah, <coughs> I, I think getting, that's my point. Is like the D line was really good last year. I would have just brought Bennett and Long back. Well, well, the thing that I, I might agree Bennett, with Long, you on Barnett, is and, that, and I was even fine with them bringing Graham back. I just brought the four guy, guys, four of them back. Yeah, but I, I wonder because Bennett and, and, and Doug Peterson said this. Sign he reported Jackson. this. Bennett said, or I think Doug I Peterson said Bennett wanted a chance to start. You, no, I mean, you've written that extensively. No, they, they would, would have you have let Graham walk and kept Michael Bennett? Maybe. That's, that's the, that's the Bennett was better than Graham last year. I thought so, too. Now, it's not just numbers. It's not just about production on the sure. field, too. Bennett is a little bit of a malcontent. Graham is a great locker room guy. He's one of your core pieces for the last mm-hmm. decade. I get that. There's a message there that they're delivering. It's a lot of money they gave him. Exactly. A lot of money um, for a guy who's going to be over 30, um, durable most of his career, uh, brings it all the time. But, again, I just don't think he was that productive last year. He's come off an ankle, again, I mentioned that, ankle in, uh, surgery. So um, I think it's almost like kind of like a uh, a wash maybe at D-line. Yeah, I mean, so that's far. that's the move there. Um, I don't like think – Like you're getting rid of – again, I keep saying this. For 16 sacks, 51 quarterbacks hit, your two leading sack guys on the end, on the edges, they're gone. And, and you're saying that with the assumption Chris Long's not going to be here. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not ruling it out because I think he can always change his mind. But mm-hmm. he's made it very clear that he doesn't want to have a lesser role. Mm-hmm. And with Malik Jackson now, it's more Jackson than Vinnie Curry. Jackson will be a third down yeah. rusher. That means Graham and Barnett are going to be the uh, primary edge rushers on third down. So where does that leave Chris Long? Yeah. So my assumption is that he won't be back. Who knows? Something could yeah. change. But I'll say this about the about the defensive line: Derek Barnett needs to be uh, close to uh, a top of the roster player. Um, he may he, be like one of our first stories when we talk to players. Yeah, return. He he needs to be a, a big big contributor this year. He had a major injury. An interesting stat about Derek Barnett because I've done some research on him the past few days. He's younger than Christian Wilkins. Projected first round pick, Jalen Ferguson, potential first round pick. Um, these he's he the Eagles drafted him at age twenty. Um, he's still so young. There's so much development. The Eagles were very intrigued by the way he played before the injury last year. But he he needs to step up and have a big season for this defensive line to match the production from the past two years. It'll be interesting because he's got you know there's always that first round <coughs> pressure and then there's additional pressure. Look, I understand there's always pressure to play in the NFL. There's always pressure to play um, in Philadelphia. This is a guy who's not particularly media friendly. Um, there's gonna be more people at his locker stall. I'm just wondering. It'll be interesting to see how he responds to it. I think he's a uh, well-rounded kid. I think he's got a, he's got the right personality. Um, to play in this league, I just wonder um, if he's going to be able to kind of live up to those expectations. All right, O-line, uh, they didn't bring anybody in new. Um, really, the only thing that they did was uh, re-sign Jason Peters and, and Jason Kelson. We kind of talked about that before. Uh, wide, rec- wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, we, we hit on that last time, right? Yep. Um, you mentioned it, uh, wide receiver in the draft. Is there anybody that you've kind of been keeping your eye yeah. on? Yeah, uh, Paris Campbell from Ohio State. And I mentioned him. He's he's not the best receiver in the in this class, but I think he's the type of weapon that Doug Peterson's been looking for since he got here. They kind of flirted with using Josh Huff this way when Doug got the job. Josh Huff was not that type of player. But when you look at what Andy Reid did with Tyreek Hill, when you look at what Matt Nagy did with Tariq Cohen, 
Um, I think Paris Campbell can be that type of player if you draft if he's there in the second round. It's the fastest receiver at the at 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 the combine. Um, really dynamic player in Urban Meyer's offense. Uh, he's a guy who really intrigues me as as um, a, not even just a gadget player. You can use him that way, but I think he can develop into your deep threat too. I would watch out for him. Then there's guys like like uh, you have Butler from from Iowa State, big, tall, downfield threat. But I, I would pay attention to Paris Campbell. Kind of like a Swiss Army knife, uh, possibly. Uh, tight end, obviously, don't really talk much about that. Richard Rodgers, they bought back. Um, defensively, uh, linebackers as a whole, they don't have an answer right now, middle linebacker. Doug Peterson said that. Yep. Uh, and how he pretty much kind of sidestepped that question, I think it was you who asked it. But what do you think – they're going to do their draft probably. Uh, I don't think that's obviously going to be the middle linebacker to start, yeah. but middle linebacker is not as big of a deal exactly. in this defense now. It's like Nigel did it. He can do it. And maybe they'll give like Nate a chance, Nate Gurry. Um, yeah. I, take, take him out, you know. I, I don't know. I think Camus and, and Nate are going to have to step into bigger roles. Worlow uh, played some middle linebacker too. Yeah, and he has a lot of starting experience. Howie said LJ Ford was a player they had been targeting, that they watched him a lot when he was in Pittsburgh. I think the, the signing for defense to watch is Andrew Sandejo. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Sandejo. Um, yeah, Sandejo. Uh, because I think they're going to play a lot of three safety looks. Um, and I, I, I think you'll see that more than the base formation. And I think he's, he's going to be on the field quite a bit. Well, he was one of the additions that the Eagles made after – we had uh, our last podcast, so um, and the other one was Ronald Darby. Right? Yes, we hadn't had a chance to talk about that. What'd you make of that? Uh it's interesting. I I thought at at that price, very reasonable. Um, you know, I, I think a part of that from Darby's perspective was he's been training here, he's been here, he's been rehabbing here. Um, he's coming back from that ACL, needs to reset his value. I've been high on Darby since they traded him. I don't think that we've seen him consistently healthy, and that obviously affects the evaluation. It's comparable to me to when the Eagles re-signed Jeremy Macklin to a one-year contract, gambling on himself, so to speak. Show me deal. It, yeah, if he's if he's healthy, I think he he signs a big deal. If he's not healthy, then uh, you know I think they have enough depth there that they'll be fine. What does that say about Sidney Jones? I think it might say more about Jalen Mills, honestly. Um, I they could love, be wrong there. Jim Schwartz loves John Mills. Yeah, but John Mills is coming off that foot injury. Doug Peterson said he's, yeah. he's a guy you're thinking about for training camp. Training camp. That was kind of a little bit of alarming. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, Jalen, he's entering a, a, a contract year. Sidney Jones needs to step up. I mean, really does. He There's so much hype about him. I mean, it's, it's similar in terms of a career track to, like, Nelson Aguilar going into his third year where the guy just didn't meet expectations. Maybe that light bulb clicks for Sydney like he did for Nelson. But this is a critical year for Sydney. You wrote about him in January, and he's a player Eagles fans need to watch. Um, and the last position we could talk about is quarterback. Yes. Um, in many ways we can talk yeah, about Yeah, well, let's, before we get to Wentz, we know Phil Foles is gone and Nate Sudfeld's still on the roster. The Eagles said they wanted to bring in a veteran. I think at some point they probably do unless they draft somebody. Well, I think they're going to draft they somebody. May, they may still even bring in a veteran. Yeah. Four quarterbacks in camp is probably what you want, but it was a tough. It was, they were in a tough spot to get any of these better veteran backup options because none of those guys are going to come in here uh, and have to compete for the job. 
or, or not have a chance at the starting job. This is Carson Wentz's job. It's going to be his job for a long time, most likely. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't fault them there. I, you know, I don't know. We don't know much about Nate. No. Um, and, I mean, they kind of saw this coming. But I wonder how high of a draft pick they expend on a quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's real interesting. Uh, now, for some context here, Doug Peterson said his first year here that he wanted to get in the habit of drafting a quarterback every year, every other year. Ron Wolf. Yeah, and Jeffrey Lurie said the same thing. Jeffrey Lurie reiterated that this 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 past week that you're going to see them get in the habit now. I think they're going to draft it, but you hit it on the head. How high did they do it? Because you can look at, at my first year on 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 the beat, and, and you were well into it, 2012. The Eagles had Mike Kafka coming back. He was the presumed backup. They took Nick Foles in the third round. Foles outplayed him during the summer. Kafka got hurt, but Foles outplayed him during the summer, and Foles became the backup. He was also a third-round pick. If the Eagles take a, a, a quarterback in round four, that's significant competition for Nate Sudfeld. If they take one round six, then it's a, a developmental arm. I was surprised when the Eagles really made it sound at the combine like Nate was going to have to win that job. I thought they were going to say Nate's ready to be the number two. That's what they've groomed him for. He was the number two in the Super Bowl. Um, so they I want push, they want to push him a little bit. Yeah, uh, but I don't think that you're that. And, and you mentioned this that that you were going to sign a legitimate backup quarterback, your Tyrod Taylor types, when that guy has to compete for the number two job. That's no. that's not how you bring someone in. So I think they were in a real tough spot trying to bring in a veteran. Um, one of the big subjects at the owners' meetings, of course, was when Carson Wentz's uh, contract and whether he was planning to extend him. Um, what do you think happens here? I mean, you and I both picked up on this, that Howie was much more forceful in his language than he was the previous two times when he was asked about the extension. It's almost like, to me, like, let's play ball, Carson. Yeah. We're, we're, we're ready to offer an extension here. Maybe they've already offered one, and they're kind of just throwing that line to him. I don't know if he's going to, you know, take the bait, but I'm a little surprised that, that, the, that the Eagles are willing to do it now because of the questions about his durability. That's a good point, although from the Eagles' perspective, Carson's value is probably um, it's probably more team-friendly now than it would be after he has a good year. The argument for why they would do yeah. it. Yeah, and the Eagles are invested in Carson. They've, they've made that clear. I mean, they're not hedging their bet at all. They let Nick Foles walk. They should. Um, you got to yeah. go all the way in. Yeah, Carson's their guy. I, I don't think they're operating like, I don't know, he might get hurt again. Like, I think they're operating when this, you know, he's our guy for the next decade, and they probably want to show him that commitment. If you're Carson Wentz, though, and, and, and you wrote about this on Sunday, it was a good column, like, are, are you taking a deal now, or are you saying, I want to restore my value a bit, and I want to see what Jared Goff gets, and I want to see what Patrick Mahomes gets, because that's, that's going to dictate what the market is. Yeah, no, I mean, it could save the Eagles millions of dollars if they do the deal now versus next offseason. Um, Carson could, could make millions more mm-hmm. if he waits until next offseason. He could also get hurt again. But he could also get hurt again. And um, so, and three years in a row with an injury, you're not getting no. That, so that there's something to be deal. said for security. Yeah, um, I would be kind of concerned if that was in his mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that would have to factor in to his decision to sign something right now. Look, they had the cap. How he cleared up cap space. When I saw him do that, I thought he'd be they'd be more of players in free agency. So it surprised me a yeah. little bit when they weren't. So my 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 thinking is that okay, they're preparing for the possibility of the of doing this extension it gives them 
a little bit of leeway in terms of the first year. They don't have to spread it out so much over those remaining years. I mean, they could have made it work this year, yeah. even if they'd spent a lot of money. But it, it, it does them a lot better to, to give them not only that bonus up front, but to have the base salary a decent amount of money too because, again, you don't want to get killed in the sure. back end of that deal, um, even you know, in years two, three, and four. And, and I haven't spoken to Carson about this, so I'm, I'm just giving you my opinion here. Um, but because it's obligatory to mention Bryce Harper and anything Philadelphia right no, now, apparently. You, you saw when Bryce Harper signed his deal, Bryce Harper took control there. He, he didn't want the opt-out. He didn't want the no trade. He wasn't letting his agent dictate it. He was saying, this is what I want. I want that long-term security. I want to be at a place. And I just bring that up because Carson could be in the driver's seat here. And Carson could say, look, the Eagles are my team. I want to be here. I don't want this hanging over my head. It's not important to me to be, you know, to, to, to set the standard in terms of the contract. I, I want to be, I want a strong, healthy deal and be taken care of long term. Right, and and you know the way he could sell that too, even if he doesn't get, if he does it now, he's probably going to be the most, the highest paid player in the NFL. Exactly. If he does the deal exactly. this all season, so it's just like, okay, I just got the biggest yeah. deal. You know, all right, next year it won't be the biggest deal. It, exactly. Goff maybe or yeah. maybe might not make more. Mahomes is going to be making more. Exactly. But my thing was, like, maybe if he has another season like he had two years ago, and let's say, depending upon how Mahomes plays, maybe he could be kind of, maybe he could make more than Mahomes. I don't know. So um, I'm real curious for Carson's perspective here, because like you said, it seems Eagles really put it in Carson's court. Yeah. So that'll be something, obviously, that we uh, chronicle over the next few months, whether it happens or not. Um, we are spoke, uh, speak, excuse me, speaking to Jordan Howard a little later today. Uh, hopefully we can have a podcast later this week. If not, we'll talk to you as soon as we can. That's Zach Berman. I'm Jeff McLean, and this is the Bird's Eye View Podcast.